Hi, Dr. Jones, Algie Blake here. I can't believe that this is the end of season three. We have under our belt over 40,000 plays, and that's thanks to our Crackerjack group of producers, social media savvy folks that help with Spot On, but most importantly, you, the listeners who tune in regularly. We love you, and we love that you enjoy Spot On. So thank you again, and we look forward for our season four. You are listening to Spot On, a health and wellness podcast that breaks through the latest media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji-Blake, a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition and You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. You know, we started season three with some motivational tips from New York City dietitian Carrie Gans, and she's the author of The Small Change Diet. Carrie gave us her wisdom on how to set, and more importantly, stick to the healthy resolutions that we make. Spoiler alert, Carrie's advice is spot on. Let's listen. What I've seen is that people try to change too much, too much too quickly. They have these grandiose ideas and then they can't follow suit. So they're basically setting themselves up for failure. You know, the average person today might live, hopefully, to 100 years old. So if you're in college right now and you might live, hopefully, to 100 years old, what's the hurry? A student right now says, you know what? I really want to get more sleep. I just have I don't know. It's one of my biggest problems. It just affects me then throughout the day. I want to get more sleep. You maybe don't choose during exam time. Maybe you're, you know, you're not doing it another time where there's a lot of parties and stuff going on. Pick, pick a somewhat reasonable time and then say, okay, I might not wake up the next day after getting, I'm just saying, maybe a half hour more sleep and feeling that much different. Because like you said, they want the immediate gratification. Well, maybe it's not there, but don't give up so soon. Let's give it a week. Let's Mm -hmm. give it two weeks. See, by just even getting a half hour, if it makes a difference. And then maybe upping it to an hour. While traveling and studying abroad may have been put on hold during the pandemic of 2020, Trust me, this too will pass. This episode entitled Studying Abroad, Why You Should Start Packing, will motivate you to keep your passbook up to date. My guests are two study abroad veterans, Boston University student Brandy Moser and Elsa Damkela, who works with the BU Study Abroad office. They came on and gave us their fabulous advice. Let's listen. Of course, in, in addition to studying the courses that you're you're taking, you gain all this other knowledge while you're abroad, right? Mm-hmm. There's so much personal and professional growth. So some of those skills are going to be problem solving, cultural awareness. So you're just surrounded by people from all types of backgrounds all the time. And employers really like to see that because you're working on teams with people from very diverse backgrounds. It's really just a personal 
um, search. There are a lot of students that want to go where their friends are going, but my, maybe that's not the best fit for them academically or personally, or there may not be an internship component that they're really looking for. So start thinking right now about the type of experience you want. Do you want to study a foreign language? Do you want to live with a host family, which is so rewarding? And then once you think about those things, you'll be more targeted in your search and really know what you're looking for. When I studied abroad, I just wanted a full cultural immersion experience. And living with a homestay, I learned about the food, the cooking, the nightlife, everything you possibly could have imagined just living with somebody from another country. I incorporated things that I learned and I experienced in Italy into my life back home. Yeah. I am a very busy paced person that does not like to stop working whatsoever. I go 24-7 and when I went to Italy I could not do that. They mm -hmm. just have a very different way of life. They slowed down and that was something I really tried to um, do when I got home and like take breaks and like spend more time just having dinner with like my family and friends. So there's so many ways that you can budget while you're abroad, just taking advantage of the local culture rather than traveling everywhere. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of things you can do. So don't let those big looming um, excuses prevent you from even thinking about studying abroad. In this episode, we talked with a registered dietitian, Elizabeth Ward, who is not only a nutrition expert, but a Java lover. And she told us all about the hidden benefits of coffee and caffeine. And my goodness, they are so many health benefits. Fill up your mug and let's take a listen. There are so many health benefits of coffee, um, including decaf coffees. You know, we drink so much coffee, we Americans, that it's the leading source of antioxidants in our diet. The thing about antioxidants, if, for anybody who doesn't know, it's they're a class of substances that protect our cells against mm. damage, you know, mm -hmm. everyday damage mm -hmm. um, that could lead to chronic diseases. It all, uh, coffee also has some B vitamins, some magnesium, and some potassium, two mm -hmm. minerals, the magnesium and the yeah. potassium that we don't get enough of. The mental health effects okay. of drinking coffee will definitely boost my mood every day. It also increases your alertness and your attention span, and it could reduce anxiety and improve your mood. Occasional energy shot isn't going to hurt you, but it's probably going to like really pump you up, you know, temporarily. But I think, you know, the excessive amounts that you may get into like around finals time, you know, around midterms, or just trying to juggle, like we're saying, work and studies, you can get really, you can get into a hole. When you combine alcohol with an energy drink, it's much harder to tell how the alcohol is affecting you. Drinking this combination, which goes down, I think, more easily, um, than a lot of alcohol. And your reaction time is, can be just as slow. Your coordination can be just as off as if you were drinking just an alcoholic drink, like a cocktail mm. or a beer. So it, it kind of masks what's going on with the alcohol. And that has landed a lot of uh, college-age students in the emergency room. Right. No one likes to get the cold or flu, so I invited Jackie London, a dietitian and the head of nutrition and wellness at WW, and that's the formerly known as Weight Watches. She came on to tell us what to eat to beat the cold and flu. The Petri dish that is your office computer mouse or your desktop computer, um, that's, those are the things that, it, that make washing your hands and using antibacterial um, soap or using antibacterial gel like Purell. Mm -hmm. Those are things that can really help. And my biggest tip that I certainly learned in graduate school and have never forgotten since is that 
proper hand washing technique, happy birthday twice. Absolutely. Cover your mouth, blow your nose, and wash your hands after you blow your nose so that when you touch another surface, you are not infecting somebody else. Any type of... dietary pattern or eating pattern overall that we, that are that is linked to immunity is going to be one that is filled with antioxidants, mm. key minerals, B vitamins, um, protein, and complex carbohydrates, and some healthy fats. So it's really a more of a Mediterranean kind of style of eating. Produce is going to be your go-to, nuts, seeds, plant-based oils. When you have a cold or you have a fever of any type, mm-hmm. you're your fluid needs go up and your protein needs go up. It's important to think about, you know, how your daily schedule may change, how you can stay hydrated right now. And then when you're sick, what are some other ways, some other alternatives that you can use to add in some extra liquid? And soup really does that magically. The fruit, veggies, whole grains, legumes, that's where you're going to find prebiotic fiber, which is sort of like the fuel that your body's probiotics need to kind of survive and thrive. Ooh, a fermented food. So kimchi, sauerkraut, um, and the Greek yogurt that I mentioned. This next episode with world-renowned public health expert, Dr. Sandro Galea, opened my eyes on how the environment affects your food and health choices. What was so fascinating about this episode was how the health of the environment and the health of your neighbors truly affects your health. Hashtag, it takes a village. Let's listen. Health is a state of not being sick to begin with. Healthcare is what helps you become healthy if you're already sick. But what we really care about is health, not healthcare. Healthcare is a means to an end. What we care about is a system that invents and invests in the preventive conditions of health. What we really should care about is about these preventive conditions. We should really care about safe houses and good schools and livable wages and gender equity and clean air and drinkable water and a fair economy. That's what we should care about. And those are the forces that generate health. Healthcare is a totally different matter. Healthcare is about if I'm already sick, how do I restore, how do you restore me back to health? We're not going to have a world that generates health unless we pay attention to the conditions and the forces around us that create health. Your zip code matters much more than your genetic code. It is a misconception that genetics matter that much for health. In fact, they don't. In fact, genes account for five, 10% of your health at most. Where you live is 20, 30%. Your behavior is another 20, 30%. This episode of Sex in the Dark shines a bright light on the misconceptions about sexual health. Our guest, Dr. Sophie Godley, answers all the questions that we have been too embarrassed to ask. Let's listen. If we were more accustomed and more familiar with talking about sex and talking about our bodies, I think we would actually have a lot fewer problems, not just with STDs, but with a whole range of sexual health issues that we're struggling with, not just on college campuses, but across the country. Girls, women, people with vulvas are going to bear a higher burden of sexually transmitted infections, just like, of course, they bear 
the risk and then are shouldered with the responsibility for pregnancy. What we need to be doing more than anything is really encouraging communication so that girls and women feel like they have every right and are empowered to say what they want, what they don't want, Mm -hmm. what feels good, what doesn't feel good, Mm -hmm. and to be able to protect themselves and keep themselves healthy. You want to regularly get tested for STDs or at least have a conversation with your provider and let your provider guide you. Having protected sex with partners is a really great way to um, keep yourself healthy. Making sure that if you are having sex with multiple partners that you have space in between um, so that you're not in a concurrent relationship with people and therefore increasing the possibility that you might be spreading uh, diseases. So we want to make sure that we're having good conversations, testing regularly, and when in doubt, using protection. Talk about never giving up and always having a plan. 70-year-old-plus supermodel May Musk and the mother of three unbelievably successful children, Kimball, Tosca, and Elon Musk, give you her advice in this episode how to work hard but always have a plan. What an inspirational episode. If things go wrong, you have to make a plan. In other words, you should always be ready in case something goes wrong. And in your life, lots goes wrong. A lot goes wrong. And um, then you have to make a plan. Well, you know, I've had some unhappy people around me and I've tried to change them. And then I would take them up to a party with friends for dinner. And then the friends would say, please don't bring them again. They are so miserable. And then I would talk to these, and this happened many times. Because I try to change people, yes. you know, if they're miserable, they don't have any friends and they're angry and they, uh, then for no particular reason, so they, they're good looking and wealthy and all that, they have got an intelligent and educated, but they bring everything down. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I have to say, I'm sorry, I can't see you anymore. Halfway through season three of Spot On, we had to adjust to how to hunker down in a lockdown. So we adjusted our episodes to help you during this historic time. The first of many quarantined episodes, I invited cookbook author Toby Amador, who provided advice on how to survive and stock up the kitchen when you are hunkering down. You really do want fresh produce, of course, frozen and canned are absolutely um, great too. But a lot of people I'm finding in the supermarkets, there's a lot of fresh produce being like not touched because people are afraid and you don't have to be afraid of it. We have to also have to remember one out of 10 Americans don't meet the recommended amounts for produce, specifically vegetables. And, you know, you want to eat it to help keep that immune system healthy as well. Um, so there's been a lot of talk. I'm sure you've seen, Joan, a lot of uh, how to wash your produce. Um, and a lot of people say bleach or soap. Absolutely not. If you go to the CDC website, FDA, and I've spoken to a lot of food safety experts on farms and 
uh, FMI, the Food Manufacturers Institute, all you really want to do is water, really just give it a good washing in water. And if it's like a melon or something with a, a rough exterior, like potatoes, maybe um, use a clean, stiff bristled brush. So I like, I have a lot of chickpeas. I'm also from Israel. So I like chickpeas and hummus and I like to put them in salads and pasta, um, beans, all kinds of beans. And you'll see, like I'll go in the morning purposely because that's when deliveries are. And so you'll see a little bit um, more food like if canned goods are being sold out, you'll find them more likely in the morning. Um, let me see what else I do. I have certainly whole grains I have in there. Quinoa. I had a big, huge quinoa container from Costco. So I'm set for quinoa for a bunch of months. Uh, brown rice I have. Um, I also have canned vegetables and fruits. So I'm trying to get as many of my food groups as possible in there. You can even buy dry milk and reconstitute it up and add it also. If you want protein to smoothies and whatnot, you can add a little bit of that dry milk to it too. Being quarantined at home doesn't mean that you have to stop moving. So we invited Kate Durant, an exercise expert on Spot On, to tell you how to work out even when you are shut in. Spoiler alert, you can use your laundry soap for more than just doing laundry. You know, my, my best advice during this time would be to think about uh, where you would want to go to the go to a studio. If, if you take classes and you're like, wow, I've been really looking to try a yoga class, I would go to those resources first and I would look to see what they're offering. Because those are the habits that you'll carry forward. You know, if you take a BU Fit Rec class with us uh, during this time, we hope that to see you at the Fit Rec. I think that also, you know, makes you connect with your community, even though you might be inside. You can say, oh, I'm taking, taking classes at the local community center, and I feel more of a connection to, to my hometown or to wherever I am. So one thing that you can definitely use is, um, that you always have is your body. Body weight exercises are tremendously effective, and there's a ton you can do. Push-ups, squats, sit-ups, lunges, um, and there's a lot of modifications to make them easier or harder. Um, you always have your body to act as a weight. The other things in your home, water bottles, water bottles, laundry detergent, milk jugs, all of those things are really amazing things to work out with because they hold liquid or you could put like sand in them or anything. And that means that the weight is not solid and that the weight will move. So it will actually give you a little bit more of a difficult workout because you'll have to focus um, on balance and it will actually um, activate your core because you're now balancing a weight that is not stable. You know, before this pandemic, we were all wishing for more downtime. Well, as usual, be careful for what you wish for. This quarantined episode was all about how to tackle boredom. I invited Abby Gross, a journalist who wrote an article in the online magazine, Her Campus, on staying stimulated when you're locked down at home. Yeah, there's all sorts of online stuff. There's Overdrive, yeah, and Open Library, and you can just log on and make an account. Yeah, it's basically like you, a library. You can just check out digital versions if you have an iPad or a Kindle or anything like that, and you can even do it on your phone. My mom actually came up with this while me and my sister were in high school, and we were just in the house with nothing to do. And basically, you have a deck of cards, and you have four different workouts for each suit, um, like hearts or sit-ups, diamonds or push-ups or something like that. And so you go through the deck and you draw a card and whatever number on the card you get and the suit is 
how many workouts you do of that type. One of my teachers also posted a list of prompts. Um, we have this thing each week called make a drawing and we have three that we have to do and they're pretty open-ended like draw your favorite day of the week or your favorite room in your house. And it's just stuff you can do from home without a lot of resources. Whether you're quarantined or not, managing your mental health during times of stress is a strategy that will help you through your entire life. We invited Dr. Dory Hutchinson on this episode to share her wisdom on how to take care of your mental health. Trust me, you'll be better for listening to this episode. I think what this whole pandemic has um, caused for for all of us is, you know, we're going through this whole experience collectively, and we've lost our normalcy, we've lost our routines, we've lost the feeling of being in control, we've lost our connections, our social connections. Like you said, you know, if you are used to being around people and now you're much more isolated, even if you're with your your family. And for some people, they've lost people they've cared about. So <clears throat> it's really broken our sense of safety individually, in our homes, in our families, at school. And this really is what creates this anxiety. And plus there's this anxiety about the future. It feels so uncertain. And while we know it's temporary, it doesn't feel temporary. And that really is the anxiety that we're feeling. If you have a tendency to go down the rabbit hole of, you know, scary thoughts and conspiracies and the world is coming to an end, which I can sometimes do in the middle of the night, um, I think it's really good to limit your intake of news because a lot of the news is really negative right now and scary. Um, but I, you want to stay informed too. So you've got to find that balance. I think that's a really important thing is trying to find opportunities for everyone to have a space to retreat to, even if your home is tiny. You know, you might have to rotate. Being cooped up can, you know, really magnify our negative feelings. So, so, so socializing virtually, you know, play some games, share some music. Um, it's a great way to, to feel connected. Try and steady your mind. And you can do that by first and foremost, focusing on your well-being. Um, so whatever that means to you, making sure you make time for it every single day. When we started the quarantined episodes, we were focusing on helping you in your everyday life. But we had to take a pivot to make sure that you were being protected against coronavirus scams. These scams were clocking in at over $18 million. So we invited Professor Tim Caulfield, who's a lawyer, author, and Netflix star, to tell us how to protect ourselves from all this misinformation. I think we've tolerated pseudoscience and health misinformation too long, right? So, you know, we've, we've sort of tolerated the idea that you can boost your immune system. We've tolerated uh, the idea that there's superfoods out there that, you know, can enhance your system. And, and so we had that sort of background of noise. Uh, so I think that's one of the one of the problems. But then, of course, when you have this pandemic, you have uncertainty, you have fear. And there's really interesting research that suggests that when you have that kind of uncertainty, misinformation will fill in the gaps. Uh, uh, conspiracy theories will fill in the gaps because people want to have a complete narrative, right? And they'll they'll turn to this kind of misinformation 
and in order to uh, in order to to get a a clearer picture uh, that fits with their their view of the world is if we can just nudge people to think about accuracy, right? You know, the sort of an accuracy nudge, Gordon calls it, and pause before they they share, that can have a real impact on, on you know, stopping the spread of misinformation. I know it sounds ridiculously simple, uh, but there's at least a few studies that suggest that that, that simple strategy can, can make a difference. Do you notice that when you do something nice for someone, you, f- you feel good about yourself? So we asked Elizabeth Svoboda about how doing good could help you feel good. Hashtag help others to help yourself. Let's listen. It's really easy right now to get swallowed up in whatever our own fears are, whatever our own concerns are. And it does make sense to address that to some extent because those fears and those concerns are very real. But I think at the same time, it's important to keep an eye on broadening your focus and also looking to what other people need. And that when you do that, it has a way of putting those concerns that are bouncing around inside your own head, putting those in perspective so they don't maybe look quite as as big or loom as large as they did before. Um, What we know from many years of research is that people who give their focus to volunteering, to helping others, and it doesn't have to be a lot, it can be as little as a couple hours a week or so, those people do do better in life, both mentally and Physically, they report feeling happier as a result of helping. Uh, their stress levels tend to be lower. And, you know, these are population surveys that their mortality rate is actually lower. Ba- basically, what that means is they're less likely to die over a given period of time than people who don't help. So this is happening at the mental level. This is happening at the physical level. It, it's, it's very profound. Laughter is the best medicine as it benefits us both physically and emotionally. So we invited Dr. Peter McGraw, an expert in emotions and humor research. Yes, he does research on humor, on how to get a chuckle daily. The actual idea behind the book came from this idea of how difficult it is to be funny and the pitfalls of being funny at work. And so what I'm doing in the book is asking people to think funny, that is to think differently. And so I kind of pull back the curtain on the world of comedy, looking at stand-up, sketch, and improv. And what are the practices and perspectives of the world's funniest people? That is, how do they make this difficult thing so easy? And then what I do is I take those lessons and apply them to people's professional lives. So for example, one of the one of the kind of like comedy 101 tactics is called the reversal is to use misdirection is to head in the opposite direction. So Henny Youngman back in the day had a joke that said when I read about the dangers of drinking, I stopped reading. <laughs> and so that's a nice reversal, very funny and uh, kind of unanticipated. <laughs> And I think that the reversal can be useful in a lot of uh, in a lot of contexts. Spot On is sponsored by the Boston University Sargent College Graduate Nutrition Program. Please log on to bu.edu forward slash Sargent to learn more about this fabulous Master of Science Nutrition Program. 
you for listening to Spot On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This way you'll get every new episode every week. And also, can you leave us a nice review? Like us on our Spot On Facebook page and suggest topics for future episodes. Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joan Salgy Blake. And oh, by the way, can you send this episode to five of your friends? Do I ask a lot of you?